You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. My name is Pete Sweeney. I'm the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com. And I'm once again joined by my esteemed deputy editor, John Dixon. John, we are in the off-season, but the season isn't over. What What the heck? What's going on here? <laughs> it doesn't seem right, does it? We no, get so accustomed to being in it all the way to the end now, you know. Yeah, it it is still a weird feeling for me. I've said it in a number of places, and I'll just reiterate here for the folks that you know really like our editor's show. And I'm I'm still not used to seeing the Bengals like arrive in L.A. It just I think if it was the Bills or a better team, just a, a team that just didn't come out of the woodwork, it may be easier for my brain to comprehend. But I think the fact that it it feels like such a dark horse upset the Chiefs that. I have this lingering feeling of what happened. It's like you got knocked out and you're still in a coma. I I think that's the best way to put it. Okay, but here's a question: What if the Bengals win? I know. What if we What if we have to uh, re-examine our evaluation of that team? You know, and if they win the Super Bowl, I think that's fair. We We would need to do that. We'd need to take a close look at whether we really evaluated that team the right way. What's the way that you go in this type of situation? Do you root for the Bengals to win as a Chiefs fan so you could say, okay, we lost to the, the champions, or do you do you go the other way and root for the Rams so that another AFC quarterback doesn't tie Mahomes for the Super Bowl? I tend to think Rams, but where do you land on that? Well, I think it'd be great to see Matthew Stafford um, get yeah. to a ring. You know, I think mm-hmm. Tom Childs has mentioned that, and I think he's exactly right that, that you know, that guy's turned in a career, and he really hasn't had the recognition he deserves for the career he's had. Right. So I, I get that. Uh, I also get the argument that you root for the AFC team. I get the argument that you want the team that, that beat you to win so you can feel better about the loss. You know, well, they were really good. So we lost to them. You know, I I see all of that stuff. I really don't know. I think Uh, what I'm going to do, John, I, I, you know, as we're talking about it, I'm going to figure out who I want to bet. So I got to figure out who I think is going to win. And then that's the team I'm going to root for my, (laughs) my bank account. I think that's, it's all about you, Pete. Always. Yeah. I mean, what are we, what are we talking about here? Okay. So, I want to we'll get into we have one review this week. Uh, it's a it's an interesting review. So we'll get that in a second. We'll have news on this show. Uh, there are no marinated takeaways for a while. I know everyone loves the marination here on this show. We've seen it in in reviews and uh, we will have to wait quite a quite a long time for that. Maybe we'll have some marinated um, takeaways from what would be these 
events like the combine yeah. free agency sure we can maybe do marinated takeaways on the draft so it'll be a little bit yeah but we'll we won't have, have we'll the... be able to think about it for a while after things happen and yeah so you guys know about the new podcast plan um steve when we're putting this up let's put podcast plan at the beginning so people know to, to check here so i could explain this so this is our off-season schedule for the time being we're going to have the two draft shows we have ron cop and, and his great team on on monday with the ap draft room Nice. We have a new show, which we announced yesterday, the Bink Mock Show. Uh, Jay Binkley of Six Ten Sports Radio has been doing draft coverage since before it was cool. And we are leaning into that. He famously will tell you, I, and I know this because he reminds me every draft season, that he predicted Patrick Mahomes to the Chiefs, wanted Mahomes over Watson. So kudos to him on that going in because that, that has panned out. But uh, he really knows his stuff when it comes to fits for Kansas City. Uh, and I'm very excited to to bring him as a part of the network. In between these two draft shows, John and I will cover the news of the week here on the Arrowhead Pride editor show. So we're about to do that. We'll have a, a discussion of a bigger point of the offseason, which we'll get to today. We're, we're talking about big decisions the Chiefs have to make. A poll at the end we'll go through that you can you can get to on Twitter. We'll discuss Um and then throughout the offseason, because we're only going with the news once a week, as things break, we're going to lean into more of the quick reaction type of podcast point and, and example. So if the Chiefs end up with a new offensive coordinator through this all, we're, we're going to talk about that in a second. We'll jump on here, try to get some insight for you, have that up right away. Uh, so a little bit more reactionary in the offseason with these three pillar shows. So that's the off-season plan right now it'll change as we go once we get to the draft it'll slightly change and then you can expect regular programming with the arrowhead drive and all our great shows that we ended with uh, that'll all start in training camp so that's our off-season plan we're going to keep it going it slows down a little bit mm-hmm. but we're gonna we're gonna keep up uh, the content for you to uh, enjoy here on the arrowhead pride podcast network if you rate and review us, this still stands. We will read it here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. This one uh, is a five-star review from reviewer 165243. Uh, I missed the seven there, but uh, I'm happy that he gave it five stars because this was not a happy reviewer. How could you not blame Mahomes? PM blew it in multiple times in the game. I guess he's talking about the AFC title. He continues, pretty much solely his fault that it was lost. He's done this before. It's a mental breakdown. He needs some kind of mental fortitude training so he doesn't panic in these situations. Think about how many times this has happened. I don't know. I tend to think that of all the people that deserve blame in the AFC title, I think I would agree that Mahomes probably deserves the brunt of it, but I I don't know how you don't necessarily blame the coaching staff because – the coaching staff also has the ability to say our quarterback is out of it. We, we need to take it out of his hands to an extent. And I, I just feel like there were a lack of adjustments in, the, in that sense. Um, you also have the defense giving up 18 points. I, I think I agree that Mahomes probably is the biggest person to blame, but I think there is a lot of blame when there's an epic collapse like that. There's a lot of fingers you can point to. Do you agree with me, John? Uh, yes, I agree. I, it's hard to blame a single person for any uh, loss in a football game, even when it's, you know, uh, the, the famous example being D Ford with the offsides penalty right. in, in that AFC championship game in, in 2018, there were many other places that you can point to where the chiefs lost that game. I'll just, you know, you've pointed me into a marinated takeaway, however, despite oh, well, our never, efforts never mind. to avoid, 
you know, to avoid it. get away from the marination. Yeah. On the show. You know, right. I've seen a lot of speculation about what might have caused Mahomes to play differently in the second half. And it's all speculation. And what I'm about to say is speculation as well. But it's occurred to me that if he got his head in the wrong place, it might have been as a result of him thinking that they had a timeout before that play at the end of the half, and then they didn't. Right. If if I put myself in those shoes, you know, I'm an NFL quarterback. Uh, I'm Patrick Mahomes. I have all these skills. I've done all these things. People count on me to be big and big moments. It's one thing to throw an interception or have an incomplete pass or, you know, do these things where it's a physical thing that you can get wrong pretty easily. But I think it would be horrifying if I were in that position to forget that we had already used a timeout. Yeah. I would think I would think that would be the most embarrassing and humiliating thing that could happen to you. And I wonder if that's what got into Mahomes' head as they yeah. went into halftime. So and I just I, wanted to throw that out there. And I think the blame game is just fickle because mm-hmm, sure. Similar to what you were saying about the AFC title in D Ford, the Chiefs offense didn't score in the first half of that game. You're just always thinking about the final things that happen. Right. And mm-hmm. so you get into this game, you can only have an 18 point collapse if Patrick Mahomes gave you the 18 point lead. So then how much blame do you really give right. him in that sense? Or like, I don't know. Maybe you can go deeper with this. The Chiefs lost to the Baltimore Ravens in week two because Clyde Edwards Elaire fumbled what would have been a field goal and maybe they're playing in a different game or had a week off and maybe Mahomes is a little more rested and doesn't fall mm-hmm. apart. Right. So I mean you can get deeper and deeper and deeper with this. I agree. I, I do think Mahomes needs to work this offseason on a being a little bit better in the pocket, kind of the things and the progress that we saw. Fortunately reared its ugly head, trusting himself and the the plays and and I also think just the decision making. I I really, you know, he he got better at that toward the end, and then mm-hmm. I think it was that terrible reversion at the worst possible time to the hero ball. I mean, that has to be instilled in him this off season. Mm-hmm. What's interesting about that, and here we go into the news, is it's going to be with a new quarterbacks coach. We aren't sure right now who the the quarterbacks coach is going to be. I know there's just some internal candidates. Uh, Matt Nagy has been floated out there, uh, the recently fired coach of the Chicago Bears. Uh, but what we do know so far is that Eric Bieniemy will not be becoming a head coach. And what, what is interesting about this, and, and this is what came out this week, is that we are not 100% sure that means he's coming back as offensive coordinator. Now, that could change by the end of the day. We're recording at 945 on Wednesday, our new day for the Airhead Pride Editor show for the time being. And uh, Bieniemy's contract the NFL network, this was the report that uh, is expiring. And I thought it was interesting that it's been floated out there via Tom Pelissero that he could be a hot offensive coordinator candidate. And mm. to me, that adds a, an interesting wrinkle to this whole thing because we know he's, he's interviewed for 14 plus jobs. It's been around 15. Some have said it's as, as many as 20 uh, that, that in the, the Brian Flores lawsuit and uh if that's the case I, I think you begin to ask those questions about well is maybe this a, a thing and i know there's a lot that goes into it but is this a thing where he would be be benefit or benefit him to go to another team where let's say there's a defensive head coach and he becomes the coordinator there at that point 
there is 100% no doubt that this is right. the enemy's offense. You, mm-hmm. you take the veil away. I, I think that I, and again, understanding that there's many factors here. I think sometimes what hurts him is that nobody knows what's going on with Reed and the enemy, and they can say different things. There's been different things in the past about who was calling plays back in the Peterson and Nagy days with Reed, and it's always you're not really sure, but at the end of the day, you know it's mostly Andy Reed's offense. So I think the reason that that was floated out there as him being another offensive coordinator candidate for another job is maybe he's starting to believe or maybe starting to desire to an extent, like, what if I can go make my own mm-hmm. path and get away from this. Like you're seeing with Mike Kafka, who goes to the New York Giants now, is expected to be the offensive play caller with uh, Brian Dable as their head coach. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't really know what happens here. It's also been out there that the Chiefs want Eric the enemy back. This is kind of a wait-and-see thing, and there's just so many elements, probably more than we can even discuss uh, with the proper time frame right here on, on this podcast, John. What's your what's your feel for this, the enemy? Thing? Well, I think you're right. Uh, I think all of what you said is right. I think one of the things that's made this so difficult is there's so little that we actually know. We don't know whether Eric Bianami calls the plays or Andy Reid does. We don't know what the proportion is. We didn't even know he was under contract only through this year until a couple of days ago. You know, 15 minutes after uh, Field Yates tweeted that uh the enemy would officially be back as the offensive coordinator because he didn't get a head coaching job. Then Tom Pelissero is noting, Oh yeah, but his contract is up <laughs> after the Super Bowl, And we didn't know that until that time. And this is just one of a long thing, long yeah. list of things that we don't know about this situation. So everything about it is open to opinion and argument. And, and of course that makes for a great conversation uh, if you like to talk about sports, makes for a lot but, of comments on Arrowhead Pride that go in right. a lot of different directions where <laughs> right. nobody really knows what's going on. But yeah. but we don't really know. Yeah, I think ultimately, and this will be a topic for the next editor's show until we figure this out. We'll see what happens and we'll react to that. I don't know. I really don't know how this goes. Uh, I think what has been tough for this for enemy is so now you decide, OK, maybe you know, this is the direction I want to go in. Like, Pelissero wouldn't have that report if it wasn't a real option or something right. that's been, like, legitimate in, in the mm-hmm. Chiefs facility. So, problem with that is, you know, you waited until the head coaching cycle is over. So, there's now, you know, been nine hires and coordinators are getting hired all the time. Like, how many realistic opportunities out there? And then it's like, you know, I don't think you want to sit out a year, so you stay with the Chiefs. Is this a co-offensive coordinator thing? I don't know. I think it can go a lot of different ways. Um, we'll see. I think that's the best thing. I know that's not a, a proper answer, but I, I just think there's so many elements in this that we'll have to see how it plays out. The Pro Bowl happened this weekend. Uh, I I. I I took the brunt of this. I said, let my guys have the weekend. Let me watch this terrible game. And it was as terrible as I uh, imagined <laughs> it would be. They need to get rid of the game. I mean, that's my that's my grand takeaway right now on the Pro Bowl because it's just – it's turned into two-hand touch. And not to say that it should be tackled because I agree back in the day when you mm-hmm. had Derek Johnson tackling Jamal Charles when they did the mix-up of teams. It just, oh, I hated that. 
Oh. Like, what are we doing? You know, I mean, God forbid. I mean, Jamal had a ton of injuries toward the end of his career. What if that, it started then as opposed to in that in that Bears game? But the AFC wins 41 to 35. A couple of things I noted. Mahomes looked as terrible as he did the last time we saw him, which is like not a good omen. No. Uh, Tyree Kill Tyree played the best. He had four catches for 27 yards. Uh, Travis Kelsey had four targets, only catching one pass for 10 yards. Tyron Matthew had two tackles. Clark didn't have a tackle, which I know delighted a lot of fans who want to see him gone. Uh, Orlando Brown Jr., if you want to call it trench warfare, was at right tackle, which I made a joke about on Twitter <laughs> that he probably freaking hated. Uh, so this was a big waste of time for me and the Chiefs. But Patrick Mahomes had a uh, interview during it. And I'll read the quote for you, John. I don't, I don't know if we have the audio. So I don't think we do. So I'll, I'll read it for you. Uh, it still hurts. You want to be in the Super Bowl, but you enjoy this. It's an honor to be in the Pro Bowl. And so to be in the Pro Bowl with a lot of my teammates, either families, it's a good way to cap the season. A little bit cringeworthy. And then he went on to say, I'm still not over it. I don't think I'll be over it until we're playing another Super Bowl. So I'll have to use this as motivation going forward. We have to go through the process again. You start from scratch every single year in the league. You have to go in with the mindset of I'm going to get better and better every single day and hopefully give a give yourself a chance to be in the Super Bowl. So not a surprise here. Right. Um, Mahomes still saying all the right things. I think that's exactly what Chiefs fans wanted to hear, that he's still not over it. And theoretically right it, it should make this team hungrier going into next year you know counterpoint is they, they say that about this year <laughs> so like, i don't yeah. know how much yeah. stock you take into that so yeah i agree i think that they need to rethink what the pro bowl is all about um of course you know they probably need to rethink the senior bowl and the east west yeah. shrine game all for the same reasons Right. You know, all it does is expose these players to a greater chance of injury and uh, uh, and then they don't get an opportunity to to, to play for an NFL team, uh, at least for a couple of years, if at all. So I, I don't disagree that we um, that the game should be should go away. But then what do you do to replace it? Do you actually play flag football? Or do you just have a, a thing where the players all get together and, and party for a week in Hawaii or, I, or wherever? I think the thing or, is you, know? you do this. I think you have the skills competition. Yeah. You you have the voted teams. And then I think, and look, this is even foreign to me, John. I know you're a little older than I am. But <laughs> I think you lean into e-games and do a video game Pro Bowl where you have a different member of the Pro Bowl team. All these guys mm. like video games and they play it and you have the video on them. They interview them because honestly, honest to God, watching tackle football in a video game would be better than what I had to watch for three hours on Sunday. And like, That's just be point. like, yeah. what am I even watching here? And mm -hmm. a, or or what you do, if you really want to improve the game, you up the money that these guys make to win. I. You know, I know that sounds crazy, but like, why do contract years pan out a lot of times? You know, I, I don't know. I think there are a few options. Video games are, are still going wild here. I, I had a colleague one time tell me a story about how his teenage son got all nervous, not about an athlete, but it was someone close to his age that was on this video game team. So still exploding i think and i just think it's another option i don't know i but then I, I think then you're running into a situation too where it's well you're gonna have a pro bowl team 
well, why don't you, you already have the all pro team? Do you really need a pro bowl team? I don't know. So this yeah. is already yeah. two for two on topics where I don't have an answer. I don't even know why you're listening to this podcast. That's, that's, <laughs> well, that's because it's fun to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, but I'll, t- I'll tell you this, you know, for yeah. all the years that we've had these NFL games and, and, you know, I've been watching them for longer than you have, or been sure. aware of them, or I mean, sure, I sure. can't say I've always watched them because I haven't, but back in the day, they weren't that much different. You know, it's not like they were playing real hard back in 1972 either uh, because the same issues were at play. They didn't want to get hurt during a a game where nothing really mattered. And uh, even, you know, in those days on extra points, they were pretty much the same way they are now, except now it happens more in in all the plays, not just on the extra point attempt. Um, I mean, it's just one of those things that started out the same way and then just progressively got more and more removed from actually playing football. I think you've got a really interesting idea there. I think that with the video games, I think what would make it really interesting is do it the same way it's taken place in real life. You know, we're going to make these guys on the, we're going to name them to the pro bowl based on what happens during the season by whatever method we do that, whether it's, you know, the coaches and the players right. voting and the fans, you know, whatever that is, we do that. And then the players who are in the championship game aren't on the video team because we're going to see them play a week later, just to have right. it play out exactly the same way. You know, guys right, who are right, injured right. aren't on that roster. So we right. see what an all the two all-star teams look like in a simulated way. And maybe you ha- you know, maybe you have it do four or five times uh in a in a Madden type situation, simulation. And uh and and then you then you've got the highlight reel from all those games, you know, where what was it I saw the other day where uh Tyron Matthew uh led Madden this season in tackles with like 18 million tackles and I thought 18 million and then I realized oh in yeah, all the games all that the have games. been played on Madden Matt, <laughs> Tyron Matthew had the most tackles I mean there's a lot of ways you could go with this thing I think it's an interesting idea that's a nice tease again we're going to talk about what happens now with several questionable Chiefs players I know that a lot of negative tyron matthew takes would say well i wish he would do that in real life yeah (laughs) we'll get to that all right our next news piece the chiefs hired joe cullen to be their new defensive line coach initially this came out as a rumbling early in the morning we weren't sure the validity of it ended up being true but we didn't know what the fate was for brendan daly at that point who has been the defensive line coach for three years now uh brendan daly will move to the linebackers coach um and so my take on this is it's this is an interesting wrinkle to a coaching staff change i think to an extent the chiefs wanted to change a pace for the defensive line and what they got was a defensive line coach who was with the baltimore ravens from 16 to 20 he was with the Bucks before that, the Browns before that, the Jags before that. Mm-hmm. Last year, he was the Jaguars' defensive coordinator. So I think this, the Chiefs are, are saying, okay, this is a little bit of a change of scenery for our defensive line. You could argue the defensive line could have been way better last year. I also mm-hmm. don't think that they were necessarily wanting to move down uh, on from Brendan Daly. I think he did an all right job, you know, probably tapered off as t- toward the end of his run as, as defensive line coach. But the reason he came to Kansas City 
if you remember, was originally he was on the Bill Belichick staff, and Belichick had an open at the opening at defensive coordinator, and just didn't happen for Brendan Daly. Didn't really want to talk about it when he got here, and I think he came here with the intention of becoming a defensive coordinator. And if you're going to become a coordinator, um, in route to potentially being a head coach, you got to coach multiple positions. So mm-hmm. like like we saw last year, I believe it was Greg Lewis who went from. Sure. Mm-hmm. wide receivers to running backs this helps daily in a way gets the chiefs what they may look at may as an upgrade defensive line and you know you continue to to roll here uh, linebackers coach opened up by the way because matt house went to lsu as their defensive coordinator i think it's entirely possible that this happened because daily asked for yeah, an opportunity that's, that's to coach too. another yeah. position. I think that's entirely possible that when House left, Daly said, hey, I could take over the linebackers. I'd like to do that because that would fatten up my resume and make it easier and for me to become a I, DC someday. Yeah, I think that's entirely possible. And now I don't have to deal with Chris Jones giggling in meetings. <laughs> get away from this clown. <laughs> yeah, uh, will there be that too? <laughs> it's a minor I'm, you know, I and I, and I think it, it could be a good change because I think the defensive line room is going to look really different. Another tease to our next, uh, our next segment there. Well, and this is a real experienced guy. You know, this is a guy who's been exposed to a lot of different coordinators, a lot of different things, and this guy's going to know what he's doing. I mean, you look yeah. at a resume like that, and you go, "Well, this guy knows." You know. I, how could you say this guy wouldn't be a good Cullen wouldn't do a good job here? I don't know how you could. He's going to come in and do a solid job and they won't have to worry about him. And um, meanwhile, you know, daily gets another opportunity to add to his resume. I, I think it's a positive thing. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't see, I don't, I don't know if there are any more points about it. I think it's just a minor coaching move and, and kudos yeah. to, to Cullen for, for coming away from the Jaguars who are now, uh, coached by Doug Peterson, familiar face, and Brandon Daly could, gets to continue um, some of this experience that that he's building here. All right, next piece of news: Andy Reid will speak at a John Madden Memorial this coming Monday. This makes a lot of sense um, in a year that has ended up in a grand disappointment. I thought this was one of the bright spots of the year. Not Madden passing away, obviously, but Andy Reid talking about him. I think it's rare in season to get really human moments from Coach Reed. I think mm, he stays yeah. focused, wants to keep his guys locked in, doesn't really want to stray from the path. But if you really go back and watch this particular press conference, I mean, this was a man, not a coach, just talking about his friend. And so this felt like a, a, an easy connection. Reed will be one of eight speakers. It's happening at the Oakland Coliseum. I think it it is something that will certainly – try to cover it Arrowhead pride because I think he gave you a glimpse into some of the stories he can tell about Madden, but I'm mm-hmm. really eager to let him dive deep now that the season's over. You know, you won't be having meetings for a while um, just to hear, you know, his experiences with Madden and really all, all the experience experiences. I think when he passed away, you got a real sense for um, just a sheer number of folks that were touched by Madden. And, and so this will be interesting. I think John. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I remembered uh, when i read a biography of Madden's one time or an article about his beginnings in the league. And he talked about uh, as a young coach going to a seminar that Vince Lombardi was hosting and, um, uh, and Lombardi talking about the famous green Bay sweep 
And Lombardi was showing this film over and over again. It says, now, if you do this right, nobody can stop it. And I can, I can <laughs> imagine Lombardi saying that if you execute this right, there's no way to stop it. Just keep running this thing and keep running this thing. Right. And Madden was so impressed by it. And I think that's, that's, that's about how the, everything rolls on, you know, from one era to the next is that Madden gets its inspiration from this, this great coach um, who was in the NFL in those days and then adds to it with his own, you know, little cadre of people that he trained and people he knew whose lives he touched. Um, I mean, the guy was larger than life on the field, in the booth. And then afterwards, the league is leaning on him to do all these things uh, with rules and things like that. The guy was an outsized influence on the game. Um, Maybe one of the most influential of the last couple of decades. And uh, so it's cool that Andy Reid gets to talk about it. I think that's really cool. I think locally, I mean, if you're a Kansas City sports fan, he... (laughs) He's kind of already accomplished what, and I, I'm eager to see this too, like what Sam Melliger is about to do, where he was the absolute best in the city at being on this side and now gets to go play another role in sports. And I, yeah. I'm sure he's yeah. going to be excellent at that. And I, you know, I, mm-hmm. I think that's something locally that we watch, but I think that's tough to do. I think it's tough to, even in just one sport, be a coach, win a Super Bowl. Um, then you, you know, are part of a video game franchise. We're just talking about replacing the Pro Bowl, and that is a reasonable suggestion. Mm-hmm. And then to be as great and have such an influence as a broadcaster, it's hard to do. It's hard to do all of those things and be arguably, right, the best at your craft at those things. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. It, it'll be, I think, very interesting to hear the words of, of Reed because I, I think it's rare, and I, I think there is some protection of that where we don't necessarily always get the human side of coach Reed. And I, I think to an extent that's understandable. Uh, so this will be one of those moments on Monday. I believe it was at seven 30 arrowhead time, five 30 in, in the Pacific. And uh, again, at the Oakland Coliseum the day after the Super Bowl. So we'll certainly have some coverage at AP um, as we, we dive into this off season coverage. The chiefs signed several players to their 90 man roster. Uh, these are what we call at arrowhead pride, a uh, lot lottery tickets. Um, it includes a wide receiver, uh, Justin Watson, formerly of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, six foot three, 215 pound wideout will, will provide some depth for the chiefs. Then two CFL players, one I covered, John, one you covered first name is Brandon Dandridge is 25 year old played professional football for the Ottawa Redbacks of the CFL, five feet, 11, 193 pounds. A very clear lottery ticket. The interesting thing, I think, to Chiefs fans about him is he is a Lee's Summit native, played high school football at Blue Springs South and played college football from 15 to 18 at Missouri Western State. So this is quite literally a player, you know, assuming him he makes it through the OTA portion of, of the offseason and you know, I, who knows what the Chiefs do in the draft and free agency. There's a road still here. To, to making the 90 man ahead of training camp, but he has an opportunity potentially to have played college football at Missouri West lived in those dorms and to return to the dorms 
a faithful <laughs> member of the red and gold. So I think that's a, a really interesting. He, he knows all the tricks to how to make the wa the washing machines and the laundry work right. You just yeah, have to beat on this one this way. Yeah, you should see the guy work with the ice cream machine uh, in, in the cafeteria. It's, it's excellent. <laughs> and then the other one was uh, we have tight end uh, Nakia Griffin Stewart returns to the team. Again, a lottery ticket blocking type of, of guy. And then the other one was uh, Jonathan Woodard, also last played for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders of the CFL. So um, you wrote this up, John. I'm reading it. Six foot five, 271 pound, Central Arkansas product. He had an Achilles injury this summer. Uh, was on the Jags reserve PUP list. Um, and so I think of the players for me, Woodard seems like the most interesting because he was sent mm -hmm. back by an injury where the other guys. To an extent, they have had their shots, but maybe not necessarily the highest of hopes. You know, Griffin Stewart was up for two games. Uh, so Woodard, I think, is just, you know, he's an interesting player to watch. You never know with these guys. I think that's the the grand theme here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, it reminds me of uh, Austin Ryder's story yeah. and Andrew Wiley's story. Both of these guys uh, bounced around from team to team on the practice squad. Yeah. And before finally getting opportunities to to play in significant ways for the Chiefs. And so, you know, with that background, you see a player like Woodard and go, who who's had exactly that. I mean, he was on four different L NFL teams, practice squads or off-season roster only in all cases, uh, except for a couple of games for Miami in 2018, I think it was. And then goes to the CFL and plays pretty well. 10 sacks and 14 games. I think uh, 22 tackles, if I remember right, if I'm remembering all these things right. Um, not an insignificant player uh, for the Rough Riders. And uh, maybe he can translate that to the NFL. Obviously, the competition isn't as high in the CFL. Anyway, that's our American viewpoint of it. They may have a different <laughs> view up north, but uh, that's, you know, that's a different league, uh, slightly different rules. Maybe he doesn't make that transition to the NFL, but he did show that he's capable of being a player. So I think this is a real interesting guy to watch. Are the odds favoring him making the roster? No, but that's why this is fun is yeah. uh, we get to watch these guys in the offseason and see how it plays out. I think undrafted free agents are always interesting. I think we might get an opportunity finally here to see Brett Veach make a premium pick. I mean, I a lot of times he'll trade the first rounder, but he nails the end of the roster. I mean, mm -hmm. even if you pull up the, the roster, but like Turk Wharton and I, I understand Dana was taking the draft, but it was late. You know, you, I know they got a lot of good years out of Dan Sorensen. I know nobody wants to admit, admit that Zane Anderson, another, you know, person that people gripe about, um, played a role for these chiefs uh you know you have a uh, marcus kemp key special team or byron pringle mm -hmm. is a, a one that yep. comes to mind um mm -hmm. daryl williams right uh Derek gore you know there's a lot of these guys who um who do pan out a lot of them don't most of them don't let's be very clear about that but uh, always an interesting story and it'll be cool to keep an eye on some of these guys as we go again it's a tall task right now i mean they're joining the 90-man roster We'll see if they even make it through. Don't forget the Chiefs have eight picks in the draft. If we know Veach, like we, I think we do, it'll probably end up being like five. <laughs> right, right. Five or six picks. Yeah. And then free agency and who knows how the rooms shape out and, and, and whatnot. But yeah, we will see. And uh, we're all about news on, on the editor's show. So we're always going to bring you the updates to the roster.
when we come back, we'll get into our discussion for today's show. And so what happens now with some of these guys, the Chiefs have to make decisions on Tyron Matthews, Javarius Ward, Orlando Brown. We'll discuss that next. You're listening to the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show, I think last one was the reaction to that debacle. And so this is feels like the real first offseason version of our program, John. And so with that in mind, we're going to get into our What Happens Now segment. And we'll go back and forth here. I, I got to think we'd agree on most of these players, but we'll see. Let's start with some some unrestricted free agents in Tyron Matthew and Charverius Ward. I'll let you go first here. How do you see see these these two going? We're lumping them together because, uh, you know, they're UFAs in the defensive back room, obviously two very different players. But how do you see these going? Well, uh, I think that the Matthew situation is interesting uh, because his valuation as a player isn't necessarily just about his production on the field. If all we're talking about is his production on the field, then you wouldn't bring him back at anything close to the salary that he was making. The unknown in this is how much the chiefs value him for his leadership, for his uh, skills at setting up the defense, the back end of the defense before the play. These are things that are very difficult for us to evaluate. And I promise you, if Matthew's brought back, there will be people who will complain because uh, they don't feel that he's worth the money that they're paying him to bring him back, almost no matter what that that salary is, because they're just looking at it from what they can see, obviously, on the field. So right. that, to me, is the most interesting part of this is, you know, how much do the Chiefs value that that intangible contribution that Matthew brings to the team? I think you can argue that he was a big part of the reason they won this. They turned the defense around and won the Super Bowl in 2019. Um, maybe that, maybe that part of his skill set has waned some since then, and maybe the Chiefs decide to move on for that reason. That, I that'll the, be very interesting to watch. The problem. We'll get back. We'll get toward the problem with with Matthew to me, and I, I don't know how they figure this out. It is tangible versus intangible. And you sort of mm-hmm. alluded to it where mm-hmm. it's tangible. I mean, you want to see the passes defense. You want to see the picks. You want to see the PFF numbers. And then intangible is like, what is he doing for what is a mild mannered defensive back room, right? Like Traverius Ward, mild mannered guy for uh, Shad Fenton, mild mannered guy, Juan Thornhill to an extent. And when he's not on Twitter, mild mannered guy, Mike Hughes. <laughs> Quiet. Legereus Sneed, quiet. DeAndre Baker doesn't really say much, right? If Matthew's gone, who leads these guys? Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I, I don't, and who brings them up? And, and, you know, maybe outside looking in, that's a little bit more important to us than maybe it is to them. I'm, you know, I'm trying yeah. to play devil's advocate here, but can you really p- pay a tangible salary for an intangible impact? And I just think that. I don't know, you know, it's come out in, in tweets and deleted tweets that Matthew cares less about money at this point in his career um, than he did prior to. But I still think, you know, he's going to only say that and feel that to a certain extent. I mean, I, at the end of the day, and I think to an extent deservingly so, I don't know if he needs to be paid as the best safety in the league, but he deserves a, a nice chunk of change. And I think the Chiefs had a lot of tough questions to make because they're trying to improve their front four. They're pr- trying to get a premium receiver because I, I really feel like they thought they missed that. And so you have to make some tough decisions there. So 
it's wrapping your head around how much tangible compensation can we give for intangible when there's no way to measure it. And that creates the ultimate Tyron Matthew conundrum, in my opinion. Well, you know, I think that this comes to a bigger point that uh, that I see all the time is that people try and do this with math. You know, we're we're paying X number of dollars for each sack or each interception or each big play. And that's not really the way it works in real life. You know, if that's the way you're going to do it, all you're going to have on your team is undrafted free agents who are playing for NFL minimum salaries. But that's not the reality of it. You need to have some some veteran players on your team to lead the team and and be the stars. And they're going to be overpaid. That's just the way it is compared to these younger players who are maybe, you know, your 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 Turk Wharton's, for example. You know, he's going to have he's going to have big production compared to his salary for a while. And a lot of Chiefs fans would would remind you, like, that was one of John Dorsey's downfalls was that Mm -hmm. Ali contract, the Barry contract, the Dwayne Bow discuss. That's the you know, that was a great. So it's hard. Yeah, a tough, this is where Andy Reid comes in, and I hear him in my head right now saying, "Like, listen, it's a, it's a, it's a tough business, and it, and it is, <laughs> it, it is. really is." Yeah. <laughs> um, so for the third time in this podcast, we don't know what happens with Matthew, so stay tuned. <laughs> and uh, Trevor Ward, I expect to be back on a minor, yeah. minor deal, right? You yeah, agree there? me too. Yeah, I, I think I think he gets a bad rap just because he started out as an undrafted free agent. Nobody wants to to give him much credit, and Chiefs are he's actually been a pretty good player. The Chiefs are fortunate that he's under the radar because I think it'll be yeah. affordable to bring him back on a one, yep. you know, one to two year deal. Maybe mm-hmm. one. I like yeah. to think to Marcus Robinson on the defensive side. Um, Orlando Brown. I I definitely think this is a tag. I I don't I think every indication has has said that this is a tag. I don't think the Chiefs are ready to commit to big money to him. I also think like Orlando Brown came here, and if you remember the press conference initially, he's never been against the tag. You make a lot of money. I think it's like mm-hmm. 16 million if you're an offensive lineman on the tag. Yeah. And so I think Brown is this rare player who you see tagged and they don't really talk about it that much. He's just tagged and you're kicking it to 2023. What do you think? I'm not as sure as you are that he'll be franchise tagged. I think that's a distinct possibility. Um, I also think it's a possibility they'll sign into a deal just to, to keep his cap number down in 2022. But uh, I think there's no doubt in my mind that he's on the team next year and that he's playing left tackle next year. And I'm not saying that he's the best guy for the job, but he's the best guy the chiefs can get right now. Well, and I, that's the bottom line, you know, well, I, th- I think, well, that your last point though, that, that to me makes my point for me because I, I agree with that notion where the chiefs see them, him as the left tackle in 2022. Mm-hmm. I also think there's an argument to be made. Like we need to see you play a little bit better for the whole mm-hmm. year because he kind yeah. of came into his own as you went on and then we'll reward you. And he's still young and uh, you know, he's getting this opportunity to play left tackle. The Ravens didn't want to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they wanted him as right, a right tackle. And so did Mike Vrabel, the AFC head coach uh, on Sunday. Sorry about that, Orlando. And <laughs> what I would, I would say is I, I think he's really relishing this opportunity. He loves playing with Mahomes. You know, I think there's buy-in into, okay, you want me to prove it? I'll, you know, I'll go do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you're and 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 this isn't the last year of his rookie contract anymore. I mean, you're still making life changing money, sure, big time. You know, sure. like generational wealth in the one year. Uh, so even if you get an injury, 
which can happen. And that's the risk here that, that the player does end up having to take. I mean, you're still making $15 million or whatever it is. I think it's 15 to 16 or something like that for 100. 16 points, something, I believe something like that. Yeah. Okay. Ideally you, you could move or work out a deal, but I just don't know if the chiefs want to do that for this particular player who I that's think fair. they still yeah. feel needs to prove. Yeah. I think so, that's fair. Yeah. But then like, you know, you go back to the Matthew thing. That's why it's tough because you really got to commit 10 million guaranteed a year to Matthew at this point, you know, how much salary room do you have to even to, to be capable of doing that? It, it's right. a weird question. All right. Uh, speaking of salary cap savings, defensive end, Frank Clark, I think less uh, <laughs> a, a season where he broke the sack record or came close. I, I, I always thought the end game would be for Clark to be cut uh, to save some salary room here. Um, but I guess, you know, we have a, an article up this morning, John, that you went through thoroughly of, of Jared Sapp kind of yeah. wondering if he'd be willing to take a Sammy Watkins, uh, like pay cut. Where do you land on that? Well, I think Jared makes a good point. Uh, there's a precedent for, uh, this situation playing out differently than Clark just being cut for the cap sa- savings. Um, and Jared doesn't come down and say, yeah, this is what's going to happen. He thinks it's still more likely that he gets cut, but he's making, I think a good point here is that this is very similar in some ways to the situation that we have with Sammy Watkins in 2020, where everybody was sure that the chiefs were done with Sammy Watkins and uh, they just cut him and, you know, clear 14 million in cap space. Instead, uh, kind of at the last minute, they make a deal with him where he gives up some of his salary and, and that salary is replaced in his deal with incentives that would be carried on to the next year. I don't think he earned any of those incentives and uh, he ended up staying with the team for another year. So I think that's a possibility with Clark. I, I agree with Jared that it's still more likely that they move on from him uh, for a lot of different reasons, which he outlines in his argument in his, uh, his article. But uh, I think it's a good question to ask if if uh, if this is a situation that could conceivably play out the same way as it did for Watkins. The 22 base salary for Clark is 19 million dollars, mm-hmm. which is too much for yep. what he offers. Yep. So we'll see. I I I think if he's willing to play ball, I, I think sometimes players will come out after the season, and say, this is where I want to be. This is where I want my family to be. And then the team will be like, OK, well, here's what we need. And then you really find out if this is where they want their family. Right. <laughs> uh, so I, I ultimately think Clark's off the team. I don't I don't buy into the idea that he's going to be willing to take this type of pay cut. I, I think it was a little bit different with Watkins where he sure Watkins, I think, I, you know, this is something that's hard to hear, too, with the Bengals about to play in the Super Bowl. Winning the Super Bowl really helps with that argument, because I think you're all of a sudden like, well, I could be a repeat champion. I mean, you don't get that opportunity that often um to do it again mm. with the same type of guys and, and i i think that helps um speaking of watkins and i guess we should mention it before we get to our last player here watkins had a tweet this this week that alluded to wanting to maybe come back to the chiefs and uh, i know that some fans were immediately like hell no i'm saying if it's a small deal yeah and maybe it's incentive laden where you you know he has to play a number of games to, for it to you know, there's the likely to be earned versus not likely to be earned mm-hmm. bonuses yep. where if it's not likely to be earned, it doesn't even count against the cap. And, and you say, Sammy, let's 
I would guess that playing 16 games is not likely to be earned when it comes to Watkins career. And so I don't know. I think there's ways you could do it. That would make sense for me. It's always a, a money thing. I, and I don't like to talk about player money. Like I, I always talk to Sean Barber about this, who hates talking about player money because he knows these guys. And I, I, you know, you got to challenge people on that just because the chiefs can only spend so much money per year. If there's no salary cap, then hell, Clark Hunt, you better be spending like the New York Yankees. We know about right, right. money, you know, like, <laughs> but this is a, a, a game and, and this is the parody that the NFL plays in and the owners want it this way because they make more money keeping it at a certain point. And, and I you know it all that plays into it. So you have to ask those money questions. So I think if there's a fair deal where you're getting Sammy Wat- when Sammy Watkins is healthy, no one is arguing that he's a great number three pass catcher for you. Right. Just like he can't stay on the field. So you can't give him if he wants eight million dollars, like. He says, okay, two or three, maybe four, three, and you can get it up to, to six or eight, you know, depending on incentives. I, the I kind of know. money you'd the kind of money you'd play a, pay a restricted free agent, you know, two or three million dollars. You know, you and you, if he just wants to come back here because he feels like it's it was a better time than the Ravens and, and yeah. for me, Watkins is like one of the only players we always talked about the Mahomes and Kansas City discount. It, it's really only happened with, with Watkins in the sense when they were able to retain him. <laughs> Yeah, so it's true. If he's willing to do that again, I don't, I don't see a problem with it. I mean, I, I don't know, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it all depends on the money, you know. I even as there's a lot of people who are unhappy with Frank Clark and want him gone, but most of them would say if the money's right, he could stay. You know, it's always a question. It's always a question about how much money's involved. Nineteen million dollar salary and a twenty six million dollar cap hit. I think it is for Clark this year is too much for what he's been given for given to the team uh, over the last uh, couple well, of seasons. Do it. I mean, yeah, you just can't. Yeah, it's pay cut. It's pay cut or gone. And yeah, you know, I think there also is a question before we we move on. I also, I think there's also a question of like, I don't know. I sense that once the Chiefs and Andy Reid and Brett Veach mentally move on from a guy, mm-hmm. they just move on. I, I know there was a lot of rumblings last year about Justin Houston, you know, potentially coming back to the chiefs. I just don't think they like to do it. I mean, they, they, they're very comfortable with their breakups. They're not going back to the old. Well, like, uh, mm-hmm. like everyone sometimes likes to do. Um, I think they move on to the next project, the next player. And, and uh, I wonder if they kind of already said to themselves, we're going to rebuild this defensive line without Frank, you know, that could be, that could so. be. All right, last one is which is interesting. It's a similar situation to Frank Clark as Anthony Hitchens. Um, my take on this is let's try to assume that this was happening a year before and Willie Gay was the replacement player for Anthony Hitchens. I think Anthony Hitchens would have a real case of just simply staying on the roster. It, it wasn't that way because um, it was Nick Bolton, and Nick Bolton led the team in tackles by several tackles and looked fantastic every time he was on the field. And I think he just saved so much money by having your mm-hmm. Mike linebacker um, be on the rookie contract. I mean, we're always talking about rookie contracts for quarterbacks. They just have great rookie contracts on their offensive line. And the Mike linebacker, uh, which can be a premium position depending on the guy, mm-hmm. uh, is a re- – I, I just think it's too lucrative an opportunity. And Anthony Hitchens, it's double. Anthony Hitchens is fine, but he didn't show enough to be like, we need this player in our team. And at the same time, his – replacement guy thrived uh, uh, there were injuries and he was wearing the green dots uh, he had that great game where the rest of the chiefs and you could go from one to 52 stunk 
He had that great game <laughs> against the Titans. Yeah. Uh, where they lost 27 to three. Uh, I just can't see a scenario. And I, you know, I think Clark might be actually more likely to take a pay cut than Hitchens. I, I you know, the Hitchens that went through that whole thing with the fans and where Matthew gets up and apologized, Hitchens is like, no comment. I, I don't know. I think he knew what this year was. He tried to make the best of it. And I, I think he's going to move on. You have to respect a guy for, uh, going to so much effort to train the player who's going to be your replacement. 100%. You know, you got to respect yeah. that. And, and Hitchens certainly did that this year. And, um, I think the only question about it is how ready they think Bolton is to have that role to be the main guy wearing the green dot. And, um, you know, if they don't think he's quite ready, they th- if they think he needs another year of seasoning, then Hitchens will be back. But if they think he's ready, I think it makes perfect sense for Hitchens to be gone. And uh, so I, when, I, I'll agree with you there. When Veach at the press conference said, we're redoing the defense this year. We are making the defensive line a priority. Mm -hmm. I mean, for the returners that are, have lucrative contracts on the books right now, it's like, Oh, S word, right? This is, (laughs) we're done here. And yeah, you know, I I just think kitchens and Clark fall into that. Yeah. No matter how you kind of look at it. It it absolutely could play out that way. Absolutely could. Let me pull this up, John. This is something I'm I'm trying new today. I'll, I'll, I'll be honest with the listeners. This is kind of a new segment for us. But I put up a poll this morning uh, of how many Chiefs fans plan to watch the Super Bowl. The Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show poll of the day. How much do you, don't look at it? How much How much do you think said percentage wise out of four thousand six hundred and fifty two votes said that they plan to watch the Super Bowl? What do you think that broke down as, John? I'm gonna say. I'm going to say 40%. Plan to watch? Yeah. The inverse. You were very close. 59.2. So what would be 6 and 10 Chiefs fans? That can be reduced, can it? Divided by 3. No, divided by 2. 3 and 5, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. 3 and 5 Chiefs fans do plan to watch the Super Bowl, whereas 2 and 5 say that they will not. Um, So I had the number right. I just guessed on the wrong side. Wrong side. Uh, I think Kansas Cityans will watch this Super Bowl less than usual. I think at the end of the day, we'll all turn it on. Uh, I don't think the numbers will be as juiced for Kansas City as they are other events where you know, Kansas City just loves watching any kind of sporting event. Uh, this is a tough one. Um, I bet you there are some Chiefs fans that are diehards that are really having parties and like watching movies instead or something, you know. <laughs> I, th- I think it's going to be tough. Um, I do think there'll be a fair amount to turn it on, uh, even if it is just to to root against the Bengals or for them, depending on how people land. I think this is a weird Super Bowl for Chiefs fans to really try to figure out who to root for, as we kind of talked about at the top of the show. Well, I, I have to tell you that, uh, and maybe some fans will will feel this way also, uh, that when we were invited to the Super Bowl party this weekend, uh, Terry said to me, so you won't have to work? You'll be able to watch the game? You'll be able to watch the commercials? You know, you'll be able to drink? And I said, well, yeah, I'll, I'll be able to do all of those things. That is a positive. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to be hitting the hors d'oeuvre table. I'm going right, to be having a right. few adult beverages. I'm be laughing at the commercials. It's going to be yeah. a very different feel than being locked into the game stone yeah. cold sober in Los Angeles, trying to figure right. out where to go after the, you know, um, <laughs> so there's a relaxation. Well, element. And, and I'm sure there are some fans who feel that way too, yeah. who, who don't cover the team for a living who are going, this will be nice to just enjoy it. Like most people do. 
I did you know, see who's teams are not like in the that. Super Bowl. Like, people right. can comment on this poll on Twitter, and one of this comes from Matt Shea. Least stressful Super Bowl of the last three years. Haha. Go to actually invite <laughs> friends over and have an absolute feast. Somebody talking about the halftime show. Some scoffed at the question, and I'm like, okay, enough the scoffing. It's it's six to four. It's not like it's like, yeah, uh, it's reasonable. So, anyway, that's our Arrowhead Pride Editor Show poll of today. I like this little segment, getting some, um, you know, intake from the fans. There's nothing. There's no best Chiefs thing we heard all week for a while. We're gonna take take a break with that after that debacle. <laughs> all right. Uh, any final words before the Super Bowl, John? You want to make a Super Bowl pick while we're here? Oh man, I haven't even I haven't looked at that in any way, shape, or form. I I don't. Um, oh gosh, I mean, if we're gonna go with how we've evaluated Cincinnati all along, then you have to pick the Rams, and I think that's reasonable. <laughs> I, you know, I mean they've I they've got. Record. I picked I picked the Raiders over the Bengals. I picked the Titans over the Bengals. I picked the Chiefs over the Bengals. I'm zero for three. Bengals picks in the playoffs. Yeah. And I'm picking the Rams again. I don't believe it. I don't believe that they could do this. How how, how are they going to do this? Yeah. I th- well, I it, they- it, and if they don't, then we'll then we'll know that we were right. And if they do, then we'll have to reevaluate, you know, what I we were thinking. Too, I think they've been a year too early this entire playoffs. They keep ripping off these wins. That's the beauty and the hardship, you know, here in a sense of the one and done. Because you can play your heart out for four games in a row or three games in a row, right? And end up in mm-hmm. the damn Super Bowl. Uh, we've seen it before. I mean, we've right. seen it. They're few and far between, but it happens sometimes. Uh, well, you know, this is the reality that the postseason, you know, the, the, the regular season is the prelude. The championship is one in the postseason, and the teams that are playing their best football in the postseason are the ones that tend to win the championships. And I say tend because. You know, even in that last game, luck can play into it. But the Bengals have been playing their best ball in the postseason. And if they continue to play their best ball on Sunday, they can win this game and they'll have earned the right to call themselves Super Bowl champions. So, you know, American playoffs is just hard. And shout out to our, our great friends at the the great British Chief show, because, you know, in the Premier League, which is what all of you know Europeans focus on, and especially in, in Great Britain, they don't do a playoffs. It's just the standings. And that clearly mm. is more of an indication of who the best team is. Right. So like, yeah. because it's over a longer period of time in America, you can go 16 and 0 like the new England Patriots. If you don't go three and 0 in the playoffs, you're kind of not one of the best teams ever, which is bizarre in a sense, but it just is the way it is. And I and, think, and here's the corollary to that thought. If in a, if baseball has 162 games, what do you right. need the world series for? We yeah. already know which the baseball is the worst. I mean, they have a one and done type of thing too, which makes no sense when the best team or uh, the worst team in the league wins sixty times a year, and you can be one and done in the playoffs. That's insane. Okay, enough. We're getting way off, and this is good. This is a great <laughs> example of the first uh, episode of the off season version of the Arrowhead Pride Editor. Yeah. But we hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we're going to keep the podcasting going. Uh, Steve Serta um, is at it behind the scenes, working on new shows for you. I'm really excited. Please check out this Bink show on Friday. I think you're going to love it. I, I don't know anyone who loves the NFL draft and really the Chiefs-related NFL draft more than Jay Binkley paired with Ron Cobb nice. coming at you yeah. on Friday. I'm going to be a must-listen for Chiefs fans as we go. And Jay usually nails picks in these mocks. It's called the Bink Mock Show. He'll be making a mock draft. I don't think he's doing it yet. They're just going to talk about prospects, but... Once his mock draft starts, 
He'll be making them every week as we go here. Chiefs picking number 30. Uh, so we're getting ready for the NFL draft. We'll have free agency before that, the combine. It's going to be good, an exciting offseason. It's take it back, take it back now. So we went run it back, didn't work. Take it back, didn't work. Double take it back uh, again. Hopefully not from the bank. All right. Thank you for joining us uh, on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. Rate and review us. For Steve Serta, John Dixon, I'm Pete Sweeney. We'll see you next time. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.